Hey, it's us, Amanda and Megan. Glad you're here. Grab your juice box. Let's dive right in. All right. Hello, everyone. This week, we have the privilege of interviewing one of our favorite children's book author and illustrators. Jane Austen. (laughs) (laughs) Just joking. She's not alive. Sorry to break it to you. Nor great for children. No, of course she's not alive. (laughs) Oh, yeah. She didn't write anything for children. No. no. I thought Pride and Prejudice was like grade three reading level. Practically. Practically. Anyways, who do we really interview? Chris Van Dusen. I can't even. I was fangirling so hard. I was so embarrassed. You were. It was very cute. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you. So anyways... This is a bonus episode. Bonus. Yeah. Enjoy, listeners. We never do this. Bonus episode with our favorite author, Chris Van Dusen. Here we go. All right. Well, Chris, we, uh, as the host, we should probably be the ones to introduce you. But I'm not going to lie. We are just so excited to have you here. We, would, we just want to dive right in. Would you mind introducing yourself and kind of telling us your story so our listeners can get to know you better? Sure. My name is Chris Van Dusen. I'm an author, illustrator of children's picture books. Um, I live in Camden, Maine, which is on the coast of Maine, sort of halfway between Portland and Bar Harbor. Uh, It's a little tourist town with a harbor and an island and a lighthouse. It looks like it came right out of my books. In fact, my books are sort of inspired by by the setting, uh, the surroundings where I live. Um, I have two sons. Uh, one's 31, one is just about to turn 29. I've uh, been married to my wife, Lori, for 33 years. Congratulations. We have, lab. <laughs> we have a yellow lab named Opal, who's seven years old. Um, I work right out of my house. I, I have a studio attached to my house, so I can just splash paint around all day and then just shut the door at the end of the day and come back out and start all over again the next day. My commute is about 20 steps Amazing. <laughs> my morning commute um i've just this spring in may i published my 11th book that i've written and illustrated but i have also illustrated about i think i counted it and i think i've illustrated 17 books for other authors mostly kate Camillo, who mm. wrote the uh, fantastic mercy watson series which i was really lucky enough to illustrate and in fact, I'm still working on Mercy Watson uh, books. Um, right before I logged on to talk to you guys today, um, I was just starting another illustration for the last book in the Tales from Deckerwood Drive series. That's the no sort way. of spin-off series from the original Mercy Watson uh, series. So there are six books in the Mercy Watson series. There are six books now for the Tales from Deckerwood Drive series. And this will be the last, the seventh and the last book in that series. So, um, and let's see, what else can I tell you? I'm sad um, about that though. Man, you and Kate got to get together and keep doing some more things because those books are so fun. You're working on the last well, oh, oh. There is, Yeah, there is another book coming out in um, a couple weeks. I think the 28th of September or something like that. I'm not sure exact date. Okay. But um, it's a Mercy Watson Christmas picture book. So that's fun. kind of fun. So the picture books are, of course, larger in format. Um, we did one picture book uh, called A Piglet Named Mercy, oh, which is kind of the backstory of how Mercy came to live with the Watsons um, as a piglet. And so um, so this is the second picture book we've done together called A Very Mercy Christmas. 
And like I said, it's coming out in a couple of weeks. So for the Christmas Fun. season, although well, Christmas season seems like like it gets earlier. And I know, earlier. You know, I know. It used to be you didn't see anything until after uh, Halloween. No, after Thanksgiving, right. and yeah. then it was after Halloween. Now it's like September. But everything anyway. comes out in September. It's yep. the most bizarre thing. Because Costco said so. Costco, Costco says it's Christmas already. Costco. Yeah, mm-hmm. somebody said it's already in stores it, too. It that's, is. That's way too early. For me. <laughs> anyway, it is too I, early. I can't complain. <laughs> yes. Um, and um, I was born in Maine. Uh, I was born in Portland, Maine, uh, and uh, lived in um, a town called Raymond, Maine, with my family uh, till I was about four or five years old. And then my dad's job got transferred to a small town in Massachusetts. And so uh, we moved to uh, a town called Harvard, Massachusetts, Mm. which is kind of in the central part of the state, out sort of in apple orchard country. And um, that's where I went to school. And I went to college uh, at UMass Dartmouth down near Cape Cod. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I really sort of grew up in central Massachusetts. But my parent, my grandparents uh, were still living in Maine. And so every summer we'd come up and spend mm-hmm. like, you know, weeks with my grandparents. And they lived on, an, on a lake in Maine. Um, oh. And so it was just, it was the best childhood ever. You know, yeah. when you went to Grammy and Grampy's house and you got the chance, you know, we would, my brother and I, um, by the way, I have four brothers so there's five boys all together. That's a riot. Um, and uh, the one, the brother that I was closest in age wise, we would get up in the summer at, at my grandparents' house and throw on our bathing suit, have a quick bowl of cereal, and then we just go out in the lake all day. So oh, we just, uh, we love to explore and do all sorts. Yeah, it was like the perfect, perfect childhood. Yeah. Um, all my brothers like to draw, uh, but only one of my other brothers is also a professional artist, Barry Van Dusen. He's a um, he's a professional wildlife artist and very successful. Wow. At that. Um, so he does more realistic style uh, artwork than I do. Uh, mine's kind of mine's kind of cartoony, uh, as you know. In a but, great um, way. That's why we love it. <laughs> yeah. It's amazing. So um, and uh, that's about it. I I. I should tell you that uh, even though I write and illustrate books now, I was a very reluctant reader as a child. I didn't like to read. Really? Uh, And I think it was because I was told, you know, by teachers, and I'm way, way, way older than you guys. I'm back in the Dick and Jane days, you know, (laughs) and we used to have to read those really boring books. And I just didn't like it. I didn't like Mm. it. I didn't like to read. I didn't like to read those boring books. And uh, it wasn't until I found a book that really excited me um, that turned me into a reader. And that book happened to be Chitty Chitty Bang Bang, the original Chitty Chitty Bang Bang, uh, which was written, uh, and a lot of people don't know this, it was written by Ian Fleming, the man who uh, uh, created James Bond. Really? And were all the James Bond uh, books. I did not know Um, that. So Ian Fleming wrote Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. And it's really funny. And I think back because that was the one book that I read on my own just for the fun of it and it was hmm. a real it's a really great adventure story it takes you to all these different places there's kind of a mystery involved but it's about a flying car mm-hmm. and then like when I started writing books my third book was about a car that can fly yes. <laughs> so it's just you know it goes in here somewhere and it sticks and then years later it comes out so yes. um yeah well the, I mean we 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 wrote down this question because we were curious is that where you find inspiration for your books? Like where, because I have always described your books to other people as it's like a child, a child's dream mm-hmm. illustrated. Mm-hmm. Every child dreams about, you know, a school with a slide coming down and cars that fly and playing baseball with a robot. Where do you get, where do you get inspiration for all these books? 
Well, it, it, it comes from all sorts of different places. I can never really tell exactly when um, an idea is going to pop into my head. Mm. A lot of times it does come from like dreams or I'll think of something, you know, really, really early in the morning. And I'll write it down. I always usually have oh. a pa- pad of paper by my bed, a little pad of paper, and I would jot down things as things pop into my head. But um, but I also have a very I have a very clear memory of what it was like, what I was like as a kid and what I liked as a kid. Um and, and I can tell you almost exactly what I got for Christmas when I was six years old, but I can't tell you what I had for dinner like two nights ago. So <laughs> it's a, but I do have a very clear memory of my childhood, what I liked, the things that interest me, the books I loved mm. at the time, even the illustrations in those books that really sort of, you know, took me to a different place. Um, and so, so I sort of, when I, when I come up with an idea for a book, and like I said, it can come from anywhere. Uh, I'll ex- I'll explain in just a second. But what I try to do is I try to think, well, is this is this story something I would would have liked when I was six years old? Mm. Um, and so I'm basically trying to write books that I would have liked when I was a kid. Yeah. And so that's that's what I do. And I also try to write books that I think a successful book is reread. And that sounds really yes. simple, but mm-hmm. um, so many books come out, and I and I collect a ton of picture books. I mean, Do I'm you? Always talking picture books, but some picture books, and I'm not going to name names because I don't want to make any. <laughs> but sometimes I read a picture book and I read it once, and I'm thinking, okay, you yeah. know, I don't, I don't need to read that again. Yes. But if someone if someone sends me an email and said I had to read your book uh, five times before my kid would go to bed, I, I first of all I think. Oh, I'm sorry about that. <laughs> but then I think that's really, you know, I've really succeeded because yeah, yeah. my kid wants to hear it again. So, um, so that's really important. Now, sometimes the littlest things will trigger an idea for a story. Um, like I said, sometimes I have dreams uh, that that inspire a story. And I used to have this reoccurring dream when I was a kid that I could fly, and uh, and they were very vivid. In fact, it, they were so vivid that I was convinced when I woke up that. I had the ability to fly. And I remember specifically in these dreams, I would sort of hover around uh, my living room and my parents would be sitting on the couch and my dad would be in the chair and my brothers would be around it. And I would just sort of fly around and they'd be watching me fly around the room. And it was so vivid that I thought, I think I can really do this, you know? So I did write I did write a story about that. It hasn't been published. I haven't even shown it to anybody really, but I've written a story about that. Um, publish it. We yeah. are ready. <laughs> the world is ready. <laughs> it's a good story. I probably will end up doing it good. At, at some point, but because I, I'm really fond of it. But um, good. Um, and then sometimes, you know, I just see something or I read something in a in a magazine or a newspaper or something just triggers a thought and and like I said, you just write it down before you forget it. Mm-hmm. I've got a whole file uh, folder in one of my flat files back here of just uh, potential story ideas. Probably 99.9% of them won't ever happen or won't ever become books, but uh, but I write them down just in case. Sure. Wow. Sure. Yeah. So is it true? This is actually very ironic and coincidental. Yesterday on Instagram, a friend of mine posted a screenshot of the circus ship. And she said, my friend recommended this book to me and I'm recommending it to my friends on Instagram because this book is one of our favorite family books. And I emailed her back and I said, you will not believe this. We are talking about that tomorrow on the podcast. So is it true that the circus ship story was inspired by an actual event that happened off the coast of Maine? 
Oh yeah, yeah. Really? And it happened right off the coast. So I so I live in a little coastal town. Okay. And um, right off the coast from where I live, there are two. Well, there are a bunch of islands, but there's two main islands off the coast, and one's called Vinyl Haven, one's called North Haven, and they're very okay. close. There's a there's sort of a thoroughfare that runs between the two islands, and um, and back in 1836, there was a steamship carrying a circus. And it had an elephant, it had a tiger, it had, I think, two lions, uh, a wildebeest, a camel, what? Uh, a collection of exotic birds and reptiles. I mean, it was just this crazy story. And they were traveling from St. John, New Brunswick, north of Maine, down to Portland, Maine. And they were heading down to the southern part of the, of the country, down, I guess, down, I don't know if they went as, they were planning to go as far as Florida, but they were... Basically, at, at that time, in 1836, a circus wasn't that circus as we think of today, a circus, you know, with acrobats and clowns and stuff. Basically, a circus back then was just a collection of sort of exotic animals that they would bring around and put on display in towns. Hmm. And sometimes they'd set up right in like the town common, you know, right in the middle of the town. Mm -hmm. And it sounds to, to kids nowadays, it probably sounds pretty boring. But back in 1836, if you got a chance to walk downtown and see an elephant, you know, tied up to a tree or something, or or a tiger in a cage, I mean, that was a big deal. That, that is was a big really deal. Big deal. Right? Yeah. And so, so they would they would tour the northern section in the summer where it was warmer, and the winter they'd go down south. So that's where they were heading. They were heading down south. Well, they ran into a they ran into a gale off of this island of Vinyl Haven in North Haven. And they tried to make uh, they tried to make it into the thoroughfare that the, sort of the channel between the two islands, but it was this weird thing where it was a steamship, so they had a boiler, um, and uh, they used to have to they they actually built a fire under the boiler to boil the water to run the steam for oh the steam the paddle side paddles, yeah. and the, the boiler, unbeknownst to the captain, had run out of water, and um, they fired it up anyway, and oh. the the boiler just became red hot and the ship caught fire actually in the real story. Oh, wow. um, oh my star. But I read about it. Uh, I read about it back in a magazine called Down East magazine, which is a magazine, a regional magazine of Maine here. And I read about it. Gosh, it probably was about 35 years ago. It was way before I even started writing books. But like I said before, it, you know, it's, it started lodged in the back of the corner of my brain somewhere. And so when it came time to write books, that idea popped out and I started thinking about it. And even though it was a really tragic event, because in the real story, um, most of the animals perished in the fire. Mm. And here's a really sad, I'm going to bring you guys, this is a real bummer. I'm going to bring you way down now. <laughs> um, but the tigers, the big, the big cats, um, they were in cages below deck and they never made it out. Oh, they just geez. burned up, which wow. is just horrible. Oh, my stars. But it was this huge story, even at the time, because it was so unusual to have sure these animals and some animals did make it overboard and the elephant was swimming around. There's rumors that it swam off to an Island and lived in a farmer's barn. What? So there were all sorts of like stories around this shipwreck. Mm -hmm. And, um, but when I, when I started to think about it, you know, people who knew the story thought I was crazy. They said, you're never going to be able to turn that into a children's book you you're know, because kidding. it was such a tragedy. But I kind of approached it like, okay, so here's a ship with a circus, basically animals off the coast of Maine, it sinks. Now what happens? Mm. You know, let's make nobody's going to die in this story. Okay, so <laughs> thank you. <laughs> they're all going to go somewhere. Where do the animals go? And so that's how I sort of developed the story from that. Mm.
it's just amazing. It's I think probably my most it's probably my most popular book too that Is I've it? written and illustrated. But that was yeah. not your first one, right? No, that was actually my fourth book. My first book was called Down to the Sea with Mr. McGee. Oh, yes, it's Mr. McGee. It's a simple little story. That's not uh, a simple little called... story. That's a that's a one of our family's favorites. That's not a simple story. <laughs> <laughs> it was uh it was followed by another Mr. McGee book called A Camping Spree with Mr. McGee where he goes yes. camping in the in the woods. And then the third book was called If I Built a Car, mm-hmm. um, which was the first If I Built book. Um so that those came out in 2000, mm-hmm. Down to the Sea, Camping Spree, 2003, and 2005 for If I Built a Car. Mm. And 2005 was the same year I started the original series with Kate Tickenall, the original Mercy Watson series. Mm. Okay. So those ran, from, I, those ran from 2005 to 2009. And then the circus ship came out in 2009 as well. Okay. So right after the Mercy Watson series. But, okay. So, yeah. I mean, it seems like it takes a few years to write a book, right? Like how, I'm not an author. I always dream I could be, but how long does it take to, to create a, a children's book? Yeah, yeah it's, I, it's getting slower and slower for me. But remember the rest <laughs> um, of us aren't putting out books. So, <laughs> well, um, so it takes me, it, it takes me about a year to do one book okay. uh, if I'm writing it. Uh, if I'm illustrating it, it obviously takes less. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, it, it's about a year. I, I, I remember I did keep track of how long the illustrations took me for if I built a car. And it took the illustrations alone took me about nine months. Okay. And it sort of depends on the detail in the illustrations. The circus ship, those illustrations are pretty detailed. And yeah. there's one that is extremely detailed. Wait, what's that one? I want I want the insiders know. What's the one that that's took the, the that's the an, the hidden animal picture oh, where yes. all the animals are hiding in the na- in the in the village scene. Oh yes. That illustration took me five weeks to paint that illustration. Like working every day. Wow. It took me over a month to paint that illustration. I thought I am never gonna finish it. I would get done, I would work all day long and I'd sit back and I'd look at it and I may have painted like like a two by two inch square you on the illustration. Kidding. And I'd go, are you kidding me? <laughs> you spent all day and that's all you got done. But, um, but that, that was, that's kind of the key. And that's, that's kind of a, an important illustration for the, for the book. So, it is. um, yeah, so, so I, I'm glad I spent the time to do it, but uh, we are too. <laughs> yeah. But uh, anyway, so it sort of depends on how detailed the illustrations are. If they're really detailed, those t- take a lot longer. The If I Built books take a long time just because mm. of a lot of detail on there. Sure. Chrome and shiny things and mm, all sure. those reflective surfaces that you have to paint. Yeah. Um, but in general, about a year, you know, at, at maybe a little bit less to do one one picture book. Yeah. That's amazing. Wow. That sounds humbled. Yeah, that sounds like it could be hard. Like what is the hardest part of being an illustrator and an author? Well, you know it's it's really funny because a lot of people think um Oh, I can write a children's book. And a lot of people do write children's books. Like celebrities write these children's books. But should books they? And, uh, I don't but know. <laughs> exactly. I'm not going to like yeah, Oh, I'll, I'll say it. It's all right. Really I'll say it. They shouldn't be right. <laughs> but for example, I was. Uh, this was several years ago. Uh, there was a store here in town. And these. Uh, this, there was this guy I knew who worked in the store. And I went in one day and he said, Hey, I wrote a I wrote a children's book this weekend. I'm thinking <laughs> this weekend. What <laughs> you wrote a children's book in a weekend? But uh, anyway, I said, well, I can't do that. But uh, anyway, yeah, it, so take, it, it takes a while. 
So do you have a book of your own that you are particularly fond of? We don't have favorite children, but if you had to pick... (sighs) Yeah, well, it's funny because um, that's when I I was uh, after the Mercy Watson books came out, I got a chance to tour a little bit with uh, Katie Camillo and she's Mm -hmm. such a pro. She's like a rock star when it comes to children's books. So just to be in her presence in front of a group of kids, I mean, you learn you learn from the master. And um, and she uh, someone asked her that and I thought her answer was brilliant. And she said exactly what you just said. She said, um, well, it's like, uh, it's like asking me to pick my favorite child. Mm. <laughs> she doesn't have any children, by the oh. way. But, uh, but, um, and so I, I, I use that, I, I would say the same thing to kids when they ask me that question. But um, then I, years later, I heard Roald Dahl, uh, you know, James and the Giant Peach. He really had a favorite book. He had a favorite book that he wrote. And it was the BFG. He loved the BFG. He, oh, he thought really? it was that was better than any of his other books. Really? And I thought, well, if Roald Dahl can say what mm-hmm. his favorite book is, <laughs> um, I guess I could say what my favorite book is. And even though I like them all for different reasons, I, I would have to say my favorite book is probably The Circus Ship, the one we just mm. talked about. So, yeah. That's so, f- oh, yeah, I love it. I love it. Yeah, it just kind of came together. That, that story came together. I think there was... Uh, one thing that I think, uh, or another thing that I think makes a book successful is to have a wide range of emotions, you know, so you have, you have funny parts, you have maybe scary parts, you have adventurous parts, Mm -hmm. you have friendly, you know, you just sort of have, you mix all those emotions into one story. And I think that really adds to the successful book. Well, and you're so good at showing that emotion on the character's faces. That's Mm -hmm. one of the reasons why I really love the the um oh no the circus what's the main guy in the circus why am I forgetting his name the oh, ring- Mr. Payne yes Mr. Payne? but yeah. his his emotions on his face in the circus ship that's part of the fun is watching his face and I would say the same about King, King Hugo. Hugo yep and King Hugo <laughs> yeah. his facial expressions are so on point that it makes it really ex- it makes it really exciting to be a part of and to read. So you're right. The emotions really bring a book together. I think. I think so too. I think so too. And I try to, I try to include as many sort of, you know, different emotional parts to a story. Mm. I think it adds, well, first of all, it it makes it more, more interesting to read. So it's not all like I wrote a story just, uh, my wife and I just had COVID a couple of weeks ago. Oh my goodness. So we had to, we had to, and, and it was the same week my son was home from California oh, on of vacation, course. which <laughs> was perfect, you know? Yeah, so, right. so he basically took care of us, but we were sort of sequestered up in our bedroom and we just, you know, we just sat in our bedroom for a week and I just said, well, I'm going to write, I'm going to see if I can write a story. So I wrote this story and I, I read it to my wife. I worked on it all week and I read it to her at the end of the week. And she said, no, it's too sad. She said, it's just way too sad. And I was like, well, maybe it's the COVID. So so I abandoned. I'm changing it around. I'm going to try to make it a little bit more fun. Okay. Well, speaking of your son being home, how has parenting impacted your writing and illustrating? And did your kids read your books growing up? Yeah. Well, my first book came out when, let's see, my son was, I had a seven-year-old and a nine-year-old. Um, so those were, uh, they did read my books when they first came out. Um, and then, um, then they kind of, uh, you know, they kind of drifted away from picture books. Obviously they were Mm. growing out of it a little bit, Mm -hmm. but they would still, when a new, when a, when a book came out and I'd get my advanced copies and the box would come to the house and we'd open it up, 
uh, they would still look at them. And sometimes I'd just say, hey, guys, check out my new book, you know, and they'd, they'd sit. But the funniest thing was when my youngest son was a teenager, he was probably like, going through those naughty 15, 16, 17 year old. <laughs> so you've things. had him too. Okay. Thank goodness. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You guys aren't quite there yet. Not but, yet. Uh, but, um, but I, I can't, I, I had a book come out and I had the box sitting down the dining room, uh, which is next to our kitchen and, and the box is open to the new book and he had all his buddies. He, you know, he had a whole gang of buddies and I came down from the studio and they're all sitting around the dining room table and they each have a copy of the book. And they're all like these 17 year old boys reading. I don't know if it was King Hugo or whatever, but <laughs> they were just all sitting there reading this book. And I, and I wish I'd taken a picture of it because it was really funny. And they were just concentrating on this book and they were reading it. And I was like, this is great. This yeah, is well, really great. That just speaks to picture books really do appeal mm. to all ages. It's not just for little kids. Yeah, it's true. It's true. And you know what's... Here's another funny story. I was at a school once because I do school visits in the area. Mm. And I was at the school and um, there was, uh, I would mostly talk to like kindergarten through like fourth grade. That's sort of my group, uh, my age group. But I, I was at the school once and they had, they had a little break after lunch and they said, uh, the, the librarian said, would you speak to the uh, seventh and eighth graders? Mm -hmm. And I said, do they, they want me to talk to them? They said, yeah, they'd, they'd really love to, you know, just, something informal I said okay so I went to this classroom and all these kids came in and they just looked so bored they just looked you know they just sat there and they were kind of like their hand was in their chin chin was in their hand and they were looked like they were going to fall asleep after lunch and so I started the, the the normal presentation I give for kids you know I started talking about how the book is published and stuff like this and, and I was about 10 minutes in and this girl raised her hand and I said yes and she said we thought you were going to read us a story. Oh. And, and I said, do you guys want to hear a story? And they're like, yeah. Ah. So I read them like, I don't know, if I built a car or something like that. Yeah. And they, and then I pulled out some of the original illustrations, which I always bring with me. Oh, wow. And I passed them around and they were just like enthralled. They were just, it, it was like the best audience ever. And I just, I totally misread them from the beginning. I, I, I didn't think they'd have any interest in hearing a story, but they just loved it. They loved being read to yes. and they loved seeing illustrations. And they kept saying, you did this? You actually painted this? This is the painting? And I said, yeah, that's it. Oh, what an yeah. impact I'm sure you had on those kids that day. We got to get him. It was really, it was really kind of this magical, it was kind of a magical thing. And I just, yeah. I've never had it happen since, but I thought I was just losing him. And I was just, I, I, I remember thinking, I was up there starting this presentation. I'm thinking, this is a disaster. This is oh. just a disaster. And then that girl raised her hand and it was like, it just switched like that. It was really great. Yeah. yeah. That is so cool. That is so cool. Well, we need to wrap it up because we are taking too much of your time, but we have one final question. Being, being the parents and having the parenting podcast we have, what do you love about being a parent? You know, at this at this age, um, that I mean, the age that my kids are, mm -hmm. um, and uh, um, I think the thing that I enjoy the most about being parent now um, is watching them succeed. Mm. You know, watching them um, become adults, succeed at what they want to do, um, and. Uh, and my, I was just talking to my dad. My dad's 92 years old. And wow. I was just talking to him a, a while back. 
and and, he, and my mom, I was talking to both my mom and my dad, and it was their 70th anniversary this week. That's and cool. so we were talking and, um, and I said, my mom, she, she got kind of teary. She said, I'm so proud of you boys. I'm so proud of oh. what you've done. And, and dad always said that he is most, he, what he is most proud of is, is seeing you, you boys become successful. Mm. And, and I, and I guess I feel the exactly the same way. If, yeah. if I see my son's succeed uh at whatever they do whether it's a job whether it's uh, a sport or an activity that they really sort of master i mean that that's that's the, i think the best thing for me as an adult as a parent yeah that that brings great joy mm. yeah. seems like the parent paydays are frequent yeah. when you're in your season of life that's very exciting that's so yeah. great well, yeah. thank you yeah. so much for taking the time to be with us. I am just so. <laughs> she better, is I am fangirling big time. You is. better wrap this. I mean, I'm enthralled, <laughs> but she is just dying over here. She's loving it. So thank you so much for taking the time to just chat with us a little bit. We really appreciate it. We know our listeners will just love hearing from you. Thank you. Thank you, guys.